From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. He's an anti-winger. Hates chicken wings. Leave! Because the boomers are out there going, ah, well, you never heard of the flu? We made it through that every single year. I'm a lunatic. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. Cofield and Company. John Von Tobel is the company today. Ari is with us as well in our Finley Toyota Studios. Big show on the way. We're going to talk to our ESPN Las Vegas legal insider, Justin Watkins, in about a half an hour. We're also going to check in with a former NBA player, Phoenix Suns great, Eddie Johnson, who does fine work on the NBA on uh, Sirius XM's NBA channel. So trending at three, we come out of the gates with big week on the way, John. That's right. Garth week, oh. Connor week. Yes. 85,000 plus going to be around Saturday. Be many more than that up on the strip. It's going to be the ultimate test. Going to be bursting at the seams. Uh, I just wanted to get all those MMA fans all fired up. You did see that on the coverage this week. For ESPN, former fighters Dominic Cruz, Michael Bisping, okay, and fight expert, MMA fight expert, Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> All right. <laughs> totally down with this. It's my favorite thing that happens. Anything that gets the MMA fans mad. Oh, they get so rankled but, over it. And it's it's the funniest thing, too, because it's always it's it's never nothing's ever good enough, right? You want the sport to get more popular. It deserves more, right? Okay. Here's one of the biggest mainstream stars mm-hmm. in terms of media coverage there is. Get him off of our sport. It's for us. Like, okay. Which one is it? I love it. Call somebody out. Yeah, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Right. Which, by the way, the last time he got destroyed for that, it was, a sub, it, was a, it was like an objective or whatever. It, it was, was an opinion. It was, it was opinion. A, it, yeah. was, it was subjective. It's subjective. So, there you go. And uh, you tell me he was putting the sport over more. Dominic Cruz? Or Stephen A. Smith. Yeah, Stephen A. Smith. Come on. It's not even a discussion. But, yeah, fight week is here. you got the big UFC fight in town. If you missed yesterday's conversation with Ariel Hawani, one of the foremost MMA experts, uh, check it out. We had him on Cofield & Company. That's up at lvsportsnetwork.com. Uh, also trending at 2, we have some fallout from the match. Really, the most interesting thing that came out of it was Aaron Rodgers talking about his future with the Packers. We'll have that up after 4 o'clock. But uh, the match itself, I had trouble watching it because I was in studio on the air. Uh, obviously, I was just trying to track things, but I think most of the event was more about the chatter in between. They made it into kind of a a show around the golf. Did you watch it all? Watched about, I'd say, 57 seconds worth of it. However long the two clips were on social media that I watched. <laughs> That's it. You, you never turned I, it on? Never. I mean, like, I, I never – so – my interest in these was also like was already waning the first time around, right? The only the only reason I watched the first one was because uh, actually no, I watched the second one. The first one was when I was flying into New Jersey on one of those trips, and I didn't really get to see much. The second one because of the pandemic, I watched it because there was nothing else going on. I have no real interest in these, and I you know yesterday getting ready for the NBA Finals, good baseball card. I just thought it was a really weird place to put it because it just got to me drowned out in every even the Euros. I had more interest in. Right, yesterday, than I had in this. So, nah, didn't watch the second of it. I tried. I couldn't. Well, that was the other. Actually, I don't understand the placement. The day was weird. Right. Like, make it a make it a you know weekend primetime spot. I think you would have had a much bigger viewership. Like, wait a, wait a week, right? Wait for yep. the NBA Finals to get over. And, like, during, during the All-Star week? 
Like, right, for Major League Baseball? Yep. What in the world is going on then? You got absolutely nothing. Put it up against a home run derby. Correct. Like, something like that. Aren't I those the two most dead days in sports? Correct. Like, I would have, as people say, yeah, I would have totally watched something. Or the like when, is, it, is it the Wednesday right after? It's when there's no event going on. Is it like Wednesday, baseball? Thursday after the All-Star game? I didn't look yeah. at the baseball schedule this year to see if they have a couple extra days off. It's like the deadest two days in sports. Nothing to talk about. But yeah, no, they they right. got buried yesterday. I, I had nothing. I um, had nothing and no interest. And I would say this. You know why? what also made it harder? I couldn't find a scoreboard of any sort. There was actually at one point I looked online to find like a scoreboard to see yeah, what was going on. Yeah. I could find nothing. Well, it was match play. So all you know, they'd have to put the graphic up. You'd see one up or whatever right. down. And that, that was my problem. As I was trying to track it doing the show, they would never show it. Right. They would never have it up there. So I guess you had to watch with the sound on or you were uh, – SOL. So we talked about Bryce Harper last week. We always talk about our hometown heroes, especially in baseball. We got this uh, trio of unbelievable players and then, you know, a bunch of guys right behind them who are major league players. But Bryce Harper, Chris Bryant, and my guy Joey Gallo. Mm-hmm. So I still have that bet out there. It's, you know, not really with anyone. Wally Backman laughed me out of the room uh, years ago when uh, when they were – well, when they were all coming out. And Bryce had been in the league for a few years. So say, like, Bryce had, like, 80 home runs already. Mm-hmm. I said Gallo's going to hit the most home runs of all three of them, and he was <laughs> he laughed at me. So, all right, long memory, long memory. Uh, Bryce this year is having a good year, but up until yesterday it was really bizarre because he's been hitting around 300, but it was one of those years where it was like, you know, seven home runs, 11 RBI, eight home runs, 14 RBI. Like, he had no runs batted in, and then finally yesterday he broke through. But the reason he had so few RBI is he had this amazing deal with solo home runs where he had 13 home runs. Everyone was solo. Yesterday he exploded. 14 consecutive solo Ooh. home runs. Yeah, and then yesterday he finally gets a three-run shot. He had three. He had four hits yesterday. Three of them were base hits, and then just an absolute bomb to a beat up on the Chicago Cubs. But that's just so weird. Like, that's such an anomaly to have nobody in front of you for, for, for 14 straight home runs. Like, I made the joke, that's the Mike Trout special. Every once in a while, Mike Trout would have somebody on in front of him. But to have 14 consecutive solo home runs, I mean, it speaks to why the Phillies have been kind of flailing around below 500 all season long, but – Dude, did you did you see the actual home run? It's ridiculous. Every 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 home run he's hit lately is is like eight miles. He destroyed it. <laughs> it was. Um, I like those home runs where you just know the second that swing, it's just violent. The sound is violent. You're like, okay, it's gone. Uh, also, you throw a weak uh, off speed pitch against him, he's going to destroy you. Yes. Can I also say I have a hot take, a baseball hot take, Here very we. quickly because it has to do with one of Bryce Harper's hits. Why are the Cubs allowed to have the ivy? Why is that allowed? <laughs> He had he had one that went rocketed into the air. Like, well, hold, hold on, can't stop. Like, only a double. Like, what? That's not fair. Rip the ivy out. That's my hot take. Get rid of the ivy at Wrigley. We'll have to build on that. I've never heard someone go off on the ivy, but it is kind of ridiculous. It is. Steal an extra base right. from players. He could have been sitting on on third all by himself, but instead, like, oh, sorry, I can't reach in this this moss real quick and reach into the ball. Let's stop it. They're cheating. Uh, someone turn on ESPN right now. The jump. I don't even know what it's on. Um, I think it's actually on like at this time. Maybe. Rachel Nichols was on today? I think she was not. I oh, oh, we got to verify this. I think she is. Okay. All right, do the research for us, man. ESPN. Rachel Nichols, the jump. Because I'm seeing a lot of people say I can't watch the show anymore with her on it. Interesting. Are you surprised this hasn't turned into one of those typical media – like six-week, seven-week, eight-week suspensions like we see all the time? That was a joke. Right. Um, are you surprised that she could come back this soon with all of the anger around this thing? And again, it goes back to this was an incident from last year that just got leaked. New York Times had the leaked video, and basically Rachel Nichols was complaining that she had an assignment taken away from her, mm-hmm. you know, the host of the NBA Finals, that she was promised 
uh, Maria Taylor, African-American, was going to get it. And, you know, she basically said, hey, uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and take this just because the company sucks with its diversity hire uh, that Maria Taylor. She didn't have, she didn't say this outright, but this is what you infer from it, that Maria Taylor's moving ahead of me because she's black. Mm-hmm. Well, when you say she's got the job, she's getting the, the position because of your crappy record with diversity. Mm-hmm. You don't have to say it without saying it. Right. Um, no, I'm not surprised. I mean, look, so by all accounts, if you read the report, this is something that has been going on for a while. These yes. are old recordings. Yes. In fact, Deadspin actually had them like six months ago or so and did yep. nothing with and them. And it's been going around the building at what? ESPN and been a point of contention. People have been really pissed off about it. And I will tell you, what's real interesting is, uh, you know, like, and now listen, just to put this in perspective, because I think sometimes we do stuff on media and I think part of the audience is like, why do we care about Rachel Nichols? and maria taylor why do we care about the workplace at espn i think this is one of those stories where it's kind of representative of a lot of workplaces where hey at most workplaces if you're trying to succeed there's a lot of scratching and clawing and backbiting and yes guys will climb all over each other women will go at each other i think the female on female crime thing here is really interesting so that's when we talk about this it's not not just a media thing and then obviously there's the racial element Mm -hmm. of it which is real interesting but uh, the other part of this is that Maria Taylor is in the midst of a contract negotiation. And just last week, it appeared that someone at ESPN tried to, oh, stick it to her by saying that she wanted Stephen A money. She wanted like five mil a year. Uh, the sites out there uh, led by Doc Travis, I'd like to weaponize this stuff because any material against ESPN plays to the, uh, the red meat mm-hmm. of their audience. So last week was a move by, I think, I would speculate, a leak. Someone at ESPN trying to stick it to Maria Taylor going, look, look at how this is outrageous. Look at how much money she wants. And then, oh, this video just happens to come out less than a, a week later. wonder what's going on here. Right. That To me, that's the story is the interplay. And the other thing is, um, and I didn't know this until I watched, Levitard did a great thing yesterday with Amin Alhassan and Jamel Hill, both who worked for ESPN at one point. So did Dan Levitard. And I didn't realize there was an agency thing here. They're both rep by CAA. And we know CAA from the entertainment world, from the sports world. So then there's that whole thing, too, yep. that within CAA, it's like, hey, who's going to be kind of the queen of the NBA over at ESPN? Is it Rachel Nichols? Is it Maria Taylor? So there's the taping of the video. There's holding on to the video. Uh, it was passed around the building a little bit. Someone got suspended for that. Like, there's a there's a lot here. Let me just play a little bit of what Jamel Hill was saying, uh, because Monday was just ridiculous. They, they have the jump. Rachel Nichols comes out. She's got... Perkins there. She's got Jefferson there. It was just completely uncomfortable. And she said, uh, yeah, that's just, it's typical of what happens there. They knew they couldn't put her on TV yesterday and her not saying anything. And to me, either you're going to put her on there and allow her to really dive into it, or you just leave it alone. And what wound up happening is you put everybody that was on air in a bad position. And now you have the optics of having Kendrick Perkins and Richard Jefferson having to defend Rachel Nichols over a situation they didn't cause, create, and have nothing to do with. So either have her address the camera by herself and leave the other two out of it, or just don't even do it. Yep. Because it was awkward. It was goofy. People mocked on it. I was going to say, Kendrick Perk, Perk, Perk was trending on Twitter on Monday. He was getting destroyed by people. And that's for not being, right. And, and that's not right. Like, that's not in his situation. Like, to the point where he had to jump on, like, one of the, I, always remember, I think it's called, like, Spaces, a little audio medium that Twitter now has, to, like, defend himself. To like to to a certain group, like it was it was crazy the fallout from that, and I would agree with that. Like the whole situation, it, like Rachel Nichols is known for at, on her on her show, the Jump, opening up with these monologues, all that stuff. 
that was an opportunity. I would agree with Jamel Hill. You either don't address it at all, you or you go yourself. out there and you yep. do it on yep. your you own. Fall, you fall on the sword. You did it, so you deal with it. Because, and by the way, too, to your point as well, in, in being a tough spot, Richard Jefferson was like was talking like none of us are you know none of us can escape I'm like you didn't do anything man like, like what are you talking about so like and like it sounds like he's falling on the sword and you're uh, like well what's happening uh, and it's the optics of Rachel Nichols speaking for tw- less than thirty seconds and then here are these two black men to defend me and it's yeah, like that just that it bad. just did not look good at all yep um, and you know the, the the language violation stuff is something we talk about all the time on Cofield and Company because we feel like the line is way 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 out there and i've discussed this a billion times people are like you're on an espn affiliate i can't believe you're talking about this it's a story and it became a bigger story over the last four or five years the gotcha element of what goes on on social media and what happens with people on live tv live radio in this case this is a freaking taped supposedly private conversation and the way espn has handled it over the years has been completely inconsistent so they set themselves up because they, the vision is, hey, what's going to quiet things now? And Jamel Hill addressed that as well. But it's not a massive problem that started with Rachel Nichols and Maria Taylor. When you are constantly reacting to public criticism or to the moment, as opposed to having structural things in place where you address these things, that's why you wind up looking sloppy and crazy before the rest of the world. Well, I agree. And it's happened so many times. And I pointed out in the past, you'd have a case, you know, um, well, I mean, Jamel Hill, obviously, she got destroyed because she was one of the first people who was like, hey, we've got issues around this country. This isn't talking politics. We're talking sports and politics, sports and race. And ESPN came out with this. We're not going to talk politics. And Adam Hill and I just laughed at it. Like everything can be considered a political issue. Well, look what's happening now. Everything is weaponized on one side or the other. You can't freaking shut down your personalities from having real discussions that some people want to hear. Some people may not be comfortable hearing. Uh, and then. You know, when everything exploded last summer with George Floyd, then it was a free for all. Everyone could say whatever they want. And you're like, wait, I thought there was a rule that you couldn't talk about this. Now, let's come full circle on this. Is, this is my whole workplace thing. Right. So Rachel Nichols and the suggestion that, hey, an African-American is rising above me because the company has diversity issues. That that is that's a big issue. That is a big issue. Uh, Amin Al-Hassan, I thought, did a really good job here on this Levitard discussion. Uh talking about what actually happened and what would you do if you were promised a position at your workplace, a position, maybe a promotion, and then all of a sudden someone jumps ahead of you, of course you're going to fight back. It was something that was actually taken away from Rachel based on, in that conversation, her contract. She was promised this and she wasn't getting it. There's not a person in this industry who has something taken out of their contract who isn't gonna fight for that Then give a damn about supporting anything. In, in many ways, it's the Liam Neeson thing, right? Yes, women should absolutely get paid more. Should we take some of the money that we promise you? Hell no. That's my money. But you guys can figure it out somewhere else. That is the most natural human reaction. And what Rachel said had nothing to do with, like, Maria's not capable, Maria's not qualified. It's just you're not going to take something that's mine out of all the jobs here, all the jobs that are held by white men. You're going to go, you're going to pick mine after all the shit I went through. And Rachel's been through a lot of too at that company. Makes sense. Yeah, I would agree with it. I mean, I think when it comes to the criticism of Rachel Nichols, 
you know, I, I think there was something else in those recordings that was, I think, a little bit more troublesome in terms of her laughing at the thought of the Me Too and Black Lives Matter movement. But I think when it comes to like what was lost in all this, and they made a good point of it on Levitar podcast, which was this isn't about Nichols versus Maria Taylor, right? It should be about the situation which ESPN put these two mm-hmm. to then make it right yep. to the outside about Nichols and Maria Taylor. And by the way, Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, had something to say about it. We'll have that in the 5 o'clock hour. So, all right, game one of the finals is in the books. Uh, you know, I was going to make a cheesy segue like, you know, if you told Chris Paul he's not getting a job, what do you think he would do, right? That thought he thought he was getting. He would freaking – he would walk all over you. He'd walk right through you uh, because he's the ultimate competitor. This is – I'm telling you, John, this is going to be cheesy when he wins. And for everyone out there who is driven nuts by some of the, uh, you know, the – I'll say antics of Chris Paul. They're competitive antics. Sorry, you're going to have to deal with it. Because what started to unfold last night, I thought, was freaking awesome. Were you surprised how well CP3 played and just how bad the Bucks were in making adjustments on defense? No, I, I don't think so, right? like, So first off, Chris Paul, I, when I wrote about this when I was talking about the series ad nauseum coming into it, these are two teams I think are tailor-made to just like exploit everything on the other side with, with the other, right? And Chris Paul, I mean, if you look at the way the Bucks play defense – it's drop coverage. They started to switch a little bit more. Chris Paul is incredible that if you want to switch a lot, guess what? I'll just find the mismatch and give it the, give the ball to that guy. And if you want to switch a big on to me or if you want to play drop coverage, I'm going to use that soft area of the floor. This, this is CP3's moment, man. And sometimes we just see athletes rise to the occasion, and especially in moments where they haven't had that. It's a long time for Chris Paul to get to this moment. It's not surprising to see him step up in a big way. We want all the smoke. Tweet at Steve Colfield or call 702-364-1100 and let us have it. Suns team got whatever they wanted in that third quarter with that 1-5, switching the pick and rolls. Once they figured out the defense, they let Paul play in the middle of the floor. You cannot let a, a point guard this good with this kind of skill Stay in the middle of the floor, matched up against a seven-foot center. It's a point guard's dream, and Chris Paul lived it tonight. Now, back to Cofield and Company. That's a good way to put it, right? That was Isaiah Thomas and Steve Smith after the game on NBA TV. I, man, when they started out, the crowd was like right on top of him. I could tell Steve Smith's like, I can't, I can't hear myself. Uh, apparently, it was a super raucous atmosphere, uh, maybe a place that people haven't given enough credit to for Home court advantage, but super loud. A lot of fans outside. And, yeah, Steve Smith nailed it with the uh, the switching. And then Isaiah Thomas, one of the great point guards of all time, is like, when you put a center on a guy like Chris Paul, mm-hmm. he's going to destroy you. Yep. And, look, so this is what I saw a lot of this yesterday, too, which was if you're Bud, go to the small go to the small lineup, right? Put Giannis at center and just switch everything and start to get more athletic with, with your defense. But here's the problem with something like that. Remember, Dante DiVincenzo is hurt. And while a lot of people may be like, oh, Dante DiVincenzo, who cares? Dante DiVincenzo allows you to run those lineups at their like at their peak, right? Because just think about it from a lineup perspective. If you throw Giannis at the five and you're putting out there P.J. Tucker, Bobby Portis, Chris Middleton, and Drew Holiday with him, who's handling the ball outside of Drew Holiday, right? Like there's not much you can do there. And then there's not much consistent shooting outside of Chris Middleton, and that's about it. So like these, these small ball lineups become a challenge. And so you can say, don't switch everything. Well, they played drop coverage, too, in the third quarter. You know what happened? Chris Paul had his biggest quarter of the game. Like, sometimes players are just freaking great, man. And yesterday you saw that. Like, Chris Paul was on. Yeah, he destroyed Brooke Lopez in space. He also destroyed their drop coverage. Like, I I was watching yesterday, and I'm like, I just – there's a lot of criticism for Bud, and I just go, this is the one time where I'm kind of like, 
what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? What is your what is your adjustment other than don't let him do that again? It doesn't seem like they have a lot of lineup versatility. Right. Um, and seeing P.J. Tucker out there for too long, it's like, come on. Look, he and he works well against like you know big wing players like a Kawhi if you're if you're playing them or if it's a Kevin Durant as he drew that assignment quite a bit. But at the same time, too, again, you look, he's a corner shooter that doesn't offer you much on the offensive end, and then he's a little bit more plotting in terms of matchups with other guys. Like, and it's it's just a limitation of this roster as a whole. And keep in mind, right, it's only game one. The Suns also lost a dude yesterday in Dario Saric, and he's done. Right, torn ACL, I think it was, or MCL, whatever it was. So he's not coming back. Now their rotation gets a lot shorter. Who's playing center now after DeAndre Aiden? Frank Kaminsky? Good, good luck with that. DeAndre Aiden can't stop Giannis at full strength. Paul's numbers, uh, as it was said, were Jordan-like. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. What is this, a, debut? So, yeah, it's a, it's a finals debut in terms of what Chris Paul, but according to a Sports Center on ESPN, uh, Chris Paul, the first player with 30 points, 8 assists, and in the NBA Finals debut since Michael Jordan in 1991. So his last two games, opening game to the finals and a closeout game in the conference finals, he's got 73 points. He's shooting 65%, 73 from deep. Yep. And he was on fire last night. Anytime there was an opportunity, he, he nailed it. And then he's got uh, 17 assists to two turnovers in yeah. two games. And he's, I think he's, he's the scored assisted or created on over 60 points in each of the last two games as well. Like he's just, he, he's been unreal. And you know, I think it's cool sometimes. We could talk about, right, the path to get here, the injuries, whatnot. Sometimes really good players, when you watch them play, are just like, no, nah, like, we're going to win. We're going to win. I want us to win. We are going to do <laughs> no, this. No. Right, right. But sometimes it's greatness. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes you just can't, you know, again, like going back to the, the whole, the Bucks need to adjust. What are they adjusting when a guy is sitting there? He's got a hand in his face. The ball, like, bounces on the front iron, hits back iron, and then, like, trickles in, and that, that that shot drops, like, three times in a row. Like, what are you supposed to do in shots like that? It's He was great, man, and he's been great. And that inc- excludes right game five, in which he was also really solid in that Western Conference final series against the Clippers. I, I think it's fast. paramount that uh, somehow, some way, the Suns can – check that. The Bucks can take advantage of matchups to get Aiden off the floor. They got to get him in foul trouble because he dominated way too much last night. And – I don't know. You know, he 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 made a few three pointers. Uh, Brooke Lopez just drives me nuts. Yeah, because I think he's limited on defense, no matter who he's going against. Um, and all of this, I mean, this is simple analysis. However close you know Giannis is going to get to 100, percent he's got to freaking dominate. Which goes back to my point: get eight and off the floor. Uh, Eleven field goal attempts isn't going to do it for you if you're Giannis, right? If you're the Bucks, you need more from him in terms of being a little bit more aggressive. And look, that's that's kind of the big factor, right? How healthy is he? What's going on? And I, I think yesterday was a positive, and then he played the minutes that he did, right? He got out there. He played some minutes at the small ball five. You get your legs back under you after missing some time after an injury. Because I don't know if you heard him after the game. He said, I thought it was done for the year when he suffered the injury. Yeah, he initially. thought he blew it out. Right. He thought he was over. So so you, when you're playing your first minutes on your knee after thinking that, you're probably a little bit more timid than you would think. And then you play a game. You're like, okay, let's go. Now, coming back in game two, you get a matchup with a guy you dropped 80 points on over the course of two games. Like, that's going to be a matchup that they should be able to thrive in at this point. And if you go into the two matchups, they shot 75% at the rim in the two games they put in the regular season. There's still more coming from Milwaukee. Uh, coming up, we flip the page. We'll get to uh, what happened this weekend with uh, the fireworks all around Las Vegas and other places around the country. And we'll also get into the uh, Rachel Nichols, Maria Taylor issue a little further from the legal standpoint And there was some taping there, some recording that was done illegally. Are there lawsuits on the way? 
Coming up next, ESPN Las Vegas legal analyst Justin Watkins joins Cofield and Company in studio to break down the biggest legal stories in the world of sports. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to lay down the law. Only on Cofield and Company. Justin is here. Uh, so is John Von Tobel. It's Cofield. We'll uh, talk to Caleb Harry next hour, check in on some football, and especially Aaron Rodgers. Yet another weird, cryptic interview that he did about his future with the Packers. But we, we got a lot to get into uh, from this past weekend. First of all, Everything okay with the fireworks in your necklace? Oh, I was up in uh, I was in, I was in Utah oh, for right. the fourth, and there was I was up in the mountains, and so there was no fireworks, no fireworks at all. Okay, nice. John, everything good for you? Uh, yeah, kid played with some sparklers, little poppet things that he throws, and then we went out uh, to an adjacent parking lot of a local casino that had massive fireworks show at nine o'clock, uh, and watched that. Look at you, look at you. Well, not everyone handles fireworks responsibly can lead to a lot of damage. Uh, did you see the video I sent you of someone chucking a firework into a convertible? Yes, I did. Okay, what... I mean, I guess it depends on the damage, right? Right. What sort of charges can that bring? Because, like, that's not funny. Yeah, it's I mean... incredibly dangerous. Yeah, if if people who had got it hurt, then I think felony charges would have, would have applied. I mean, it's criminal assault. Um, the charges that pertain to assault depend on the kind of damage or the threat of damage that, that was there. Um, nothing really happened, thankfully, in that situation. You know, it didn't burst off in the driver's face and the, he'd plow into a tree if he did. Felonies, right? Like, I mean, that's a, a felony charge. And felonies in Nevada, anyway, and most states require some jail time. You can't, you can't walk on probation on felony charges. So now what amount of jail time would that be? Depends on the circumstances. Every case is different. So in the article, they said they got burned. Yep. Like it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't say what it is, but like it burned like that. So that's enough, right? Just I got burned. There's some sort of physical damage. Let's go. You're in jail. No, I, it's going to require some sort of medical record to indicate the severity of it. So felony assault and battery is going to require severe bodily harm, some level of that. So it depends on what the records are going to say. I mean, I, I've seen a case that that talks about that um, where there were charges uh, that were felonies. It had to get reduced to a misdemeanor because the the medical record said basically fine, you know, checked out, and mm-hmm. everything's going to be fine in a couple of days. Take some Advil, and they were like, uh, "What does, doesn't qualify?" Steve, I know that I don't know if you caught this in the video. Uh, I think I thought you would. The white car that drove off it through the firecracker didn't look like they had a license plate. It looked like they had like well, one of those like moving you know, permits or something like that. Like I've uh, I've kind of. I've had to back off on the whole license plate thing because yeah. I see it all over Las Vegas. But as you explained last week, and uh, Justin has explained many times, the, the DMV was down for so long that there are a lot of people riding around with paper tags oh, no, or no tags. In. No, you could have gone in. I, I, know, you I, know they, I know they raked you over the coals. <laughs> and you got, got fine. Um, even bigger story from a fireworks standpoint. This one's real tricky. In L.A., man accused of storing 16 tons of fireworks at home, including devices that later blew up and injured 17. Uh so in here, police get a tip. Initially, they thought there were 5,000 pounds of fireworks that were found. And I think this guy, he made several trips here then because you can't get them as easily in California. Or can you not get them in California? Whatever. Um, he made several trips in late, or late June, Nevada, back to California. In the end, it looks like he was storing approximately 32,000 pounds of fireworks in his backyard. So that's the initial pop. Then LAPD comes in, and I guess they've got some kind of detonating truck. Well, it couldn't handle all this stuff. 
So then they had this massive explosion that hurt 17 law enforcement personnel and people on the ground and damaged like nine homes. And that part is kind of buried in the whole thing. If you're an attorney coming in, because right now, hey, this guy is responsible for all of this. He is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He absolutely is. Doesn't mean that the police department's not responsible for their part, but when when you're the initial negligent party, you don't get to alleviate yourself of responsibility because somebody else came in and was also negligent. You are joint okay. tortfeasors in some regard. And and you are responsible for any damages that are foreseeable for your act. When you bring across a 16 tons of fireworks, is it foreseeable that they could blow up and hurt somebody or damage property? Yes. Everybody would say yes. Now, the police department and what potential liability they could have for maybe they were negligent, maybe they weren't. Maybe who knows what's, you know, what state these fireworks were in and whether or not it was foreseeable to them that these things could blow up, you know, without warning. I don't know. I don't know the facts of, of that. It would depend on whether or not this is in California, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Whether or not the state of California has waived their sovereign immunity in regards to that. I, my guess is they probably haven't, that you can't sue the police department and their bomb squad for failing to properly you know, deactivate a bomb or fireworks or anything like that, and you can't sue them because they're doing a super dangerous job. And if they were found to be negligent and per- personally or, or liable as a, uh, as a government entity, then nobody would do the job, right? It's a super dangerous job in, inherently in and of itself. So the party who brought the fireworks, definitely responsible, uh, questionable on the police department. So the police chief said that he wasn't sure, actually, because what happened was it turned out the containment vessel couldn't contain the explosives that they were using. The quote was, this vessel should have been able to dispose of this material. Something happened in that containment vehicle that should not have happened, and we do not know why. So if it's a fault of, like, you know, faulty mechanics, whatever it is, is a police chief or the police department still like being held responsible for that, or if it's a matter of I, the equipment that we used was faulty, how, what happens from there? That's the best case scenario for the injured parties because even if they allowed you to sue the police department in California, my guess is it w- would require a threshold of gross negligence. And even if you met gross negligence, which is almost impossible, it's, it's almost like they intended on doing it, um, there would probably be a limitation on your damages that you could claim. Now, if you're going to claim a product liability, a product defect, well, there's way more insurance to go after. You seem to have the police department on your side. They're saying it wasn't our fault, and they're going to help you point the finger at them. They're going to be experts on it, so they're going to be able to explain what what went wrong. You don't have to pay for experts to to sort of come through that, that analysis. You have them on your side. And you have a big company that you can go after that has a lot of insurance. Coming up next, let's get into that ESPN story with the video with Maria Taylor. And it's, you know, it's about Maria Taylor, but it's with Rachel Nichols. And if multiple people involved in this have some sort of defamation case, maybe there's future earnings that are lost. And, uh, you know, it's a whole matter of how did that video get recorded and how did it get out? Are there lawsuits on the way? Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000, with your questions today. Bryce Harper crushes one out toward right field. Winkler looking back, and it is gone! Three-run home run, and he is exploding with runners in scoring position tonight. It's a non-solo home run for Bryce. It's only a matter of time. 
Now, back to Cofield and Company. Price going to have a big second half. And you watch. We're going to talk Joey Gallo, too, in the 5 o'clock hour, another hometown hero. What do we say about the spin rates yeah. and the curveballs not working as well? The four-seam fastball for a lot of pitchers, you know, up in the zone, can't grip it. Now they've lost control. Here we go. A lot of the big sluggers, like Bryce, starting to get hot. And uh, Gallo at the end of June was freaking on fire. Justin Watkins is here as our ESPN Las Vegas legal insider. So the ESPN story with... Rachel Nichols and Maria Taylor, and actually a production person, Kayla Johnson, leaked the other day. It's a very interesting story. It's a very interesting workplace story. I'm sure this can apply to a lot of workplaces, especially in the media. There's competition. Things are said. Um, I would assume there's an expectation of privacy when you're on a video like this. Uh, let's listen to Amin Al Hassan, who used to work at ESPN. He was on Levitard yesterday, and and he was pointing out. This is a little bit long, but he was. He's getting to the whole matter of, hey, you know, you're saying something. There's something going on here with this video. And this cut actually starts out with uh, Jamel Hill trying to get to what uh, El Hassan wants to get to. My question to you, I mean, is like, are you asserting that something nefarious happened? Like, I, I mean, you're goddamn right. I am. They have the control to turn it off and on over there. People log in. It's There's digital uh, fingerprints everywhere. We can at least narrow it down to who was working between those hours. They had access to this thing. I'm sorry. We just talk about management and leadership. The moment that thing happened, regardless of what Rachel says, I'm lining up everybody. That said, if someone doesn't step up, you're all getting fired. Everyone who worked that shift. Because the reality is you cannot, you cannot have violations of privacy happen like that. It's a lot there. I don't know about the lining everyone up and firing them, but uh, what about the the recording itself? And then this thing gets leaked in house and then leaked out. Like who who should be mad? Who has a lawsuit here? Yeah, this is a tricky one. So I would want to know a couple of different facts. I'm assuming she was working off of ESPN laptop. Um, that's an assumption on my part. That the connection that she's being that that is being made so that she could do this remote and do this interview is all on ESPN equipment and that she has the control to turn it on and off. If it's somebody else who turned it on, all my assumptions go out. Okay, so let's but let's start with my assumptions and that she messed up and didn't turn off something and it recorded a conversation that she had that was intended on being a prep for a work conversation and then turn personal. What Al Hassan was saying, he believes there's no way that she didn't know how to use it and that she left it on. Right. That it was turned on and left so, on by right. someone else. I understand. So let's start with all my assumptions right. that that she made the mistake of leaving it on okay. after a a work conversation and then she did, failed to turn it off. Then I don't think there's anything wrong. I don't think anybody's violated any privacies. Now, if somebody back at the mothership, as I like to call it, and is is has the chance to tap into the conversation and clicks record when they know that she's having a personal conversation. Now I think we got a problem. Now I think she has a potential claim. Right. And, and like in the story, and I tried to pull it up, but it's back behind the paywall. If I remember correctly in reading it, the way that they put it in the story was it's, it's a system in which she left it on. It goes into like a database. Correct. And then the file was then pulled. And then you went from there. So right. I read that going, story, and right. that's what they said. They, right. and, and the person who pulled the file and sent it to 
to Maria Taylor yeah, whoever, yeah. was the one who was disciplined. She was the only one who's been disciplined prior to Nichols being pulled off of the mm-hmm. NBA yeah. right before that. Well, and but what she- was crazy about the, the punishment, if I remember correctly, in reading it and understanding the details, is she isn't even named the originator in terms of, I pulled the file and then sent it to Maria. She just got it in like the whole work hullabaloo. Hey, did you hear this? Did you see this? And she was like, well, Maria Taylor's my friend. She should know about this. She's not the one who accessed the database, pulled it. And that's what, you know, that's a whole other can of worms of them punishing this woman for no reason whatsoever. Because everybody uh, it else is a had- reason. No, oh, really? it is a yeah. reason. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it's, that's worthy of punishment. I mean, you have in your job access to information, information that could be harmful or hurt or helpful to other people. And, if I'm the boss there, I say, you don't you don't get to play favorites. You don't get to release information and provide information. This has this this world has to be a vault. And the minute you violate that, I don't care if it's helpful or hurtful, you're gone. Even if she's the fourth person who got it. She still has it, yeah. right? Like you were there and you it shouldn't have got to you, but when it got to you, you shouldn't have then sent it on. I wonder what her defense, though, legally would be if she came up with, hey, this is a hostile workplace for women and African-Americans, and I don't trust HR. That's It's an interesting argument, but she has to show that she's been treated differently. She's and that, and the that, process oh, first. Yeah, that, that, that me punishing her for releasing the information is different because of her gender or her race than it would have been if it had been a white dude who did the same thing. That's her hurdle. Not just, hey, man, this is all bad for everybody, so I did this for the good of everybody. No, 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 no. You have to show that my punishment of you was discriminatory. So if I remember correctly in all the conversations we've had, am I right? And like uh, the states are all different, right? Nevada is a what party state where you can record without somebody knowing? Well, so first off, we're dealing with workplace violations right there's federal law that protects all workers to a certain extent then there's state laws that can supplement that and provide additional coverages to workers nevada state laws are very weak in that regard and so almost all federal all all workplace claims are going to be under federal statute in nevada in california it's the opposite state laws are very protective of workers and so most often your state claims are going to be your better claims so we're, we're dealing with federal laws here in regards to the workplace I'm not saying she violated criminal law. She may have. Yeah. She may have. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. It depends on what state that that Nichols was in, what state that uh, well, that's the recipient what I was, was in, and whether or not they triggered it remotely to record. Because if somebody else triggered the recording, it is a criminal. It, it is criminal in any state because in that conversation there are zero parties that have consented to the recording. Okay. If Nichols did it accidentally, arguably one party has consented. So in some half the states, it would be okay. And the other half, it would not. But she didn't do it intentionally. So it's it's an intentional tort. I mean, it's an intentional crime. She has to have intended on recording it in violation of the law, which she clearly didn't. She was in Orlando, motherships in Connecticut. So that, that's the angle. No, 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 no. Who's the recipient? Okay, so the right. Recipient. It's the two parties of the conversation, right? And the recording, if if Connecticut recorded it, criminal okay. in any state. Yep. Justin Watkins, our ESPN Las Vegas legal insider with us here with uh, Cofield and Company, John Von Tobel alongside. Time is short, so uh, we have a lot of stories to get to tomorrow. Nine o'clock is when we do our legal podcast. That's up online at Steve Cofield, Facebook, and also 
YouTube. So I want to get your take. You love NIL. You know, the last week was pretty crazy. We're seeing all the creativity around it. That's name, image, likeness for the athletes in the NCAA. So a story came down yesterday from the world of mixed martial arts. We both like MMA. Very familiar with American Top Team in South Florida. Well, Dan Lambert, who owns ATT, is a big backer of the Miami Hurricanes. So he came up with a plan to uh, have everyone in the program, all 90 players, you know, if they do their social media work and promote ATT, they get 500 bucks a month. So he's going to put up about $550,000. Hey, it's above board, right? We think we're yep. good with this, especially in the state of Florida. Pete Burns, who covers college football, was asking a question. He said, using the deal as framework, what prevents boosters from creating a super PAC for their favorite teams? For example, 50 businesses funding their team's super PAC for $50,000 a piece. That's $2.5 million in the pool. Then you guarantee a contract for each player. Yeah. Now, it has to be legitimate, right? If they're just getting a guaranteed contract without actually performing any work, I think that that I think that violates the spirit and intent of the rule. They can't just get money. That's a pay for play. Right. Right. But if so they, they have to, would they have to service yeah, 50 yeah. different businesses? Right. On social media. Right. <laughs> it's not that easy. Right. That would seem to be overkill. And at that point, I think you'd be reducing the effectiveness of the player hawking 50 different products or items or services. Right. Well, what do you do? Right. You create some robo <laughs> one that goes out once a month that says boom, 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 boom. There's 50 sure. posts once a month that promotes right, each one. I guess you one. do one every day and, and then double up on a couple of days. No, you I'm just put it on repeat, right? Like yeah. it just sets it so you don't even have to worry about it again. Right. Now, what in my opinion, would that violate the spirit and intent of the rule? It would, right? It's legitimate compensation for legitimate work that promotes your name, image, and likeness for promotion and marketing purposes. So, I mean, eventually... There's good, like I said in the beginning, I love the pandemonium. Let's do it. That makes sense. Cool. Let's do it. Let's see how many people can actually uphold their end of the bargain and perform their end of the contract. It's going to be tough. There's going to be some bad contracts out there. There's going to be some bad deals. Some nefarious things are going to happen. And the NCAA is going to have to come in and create some rules based on what they see. I thought it was interesting. And I haven't checked on the specific athletes and the state's rules and the school's rules. But uh, Circa looks like it had signed up about three or four different athletes. I, I don't know if all the hurdles were crossed yet. Do you know, John? I don't know if you followed up on the story, but no. I saw it. I was like, okay, well, that's one of the first big test cases, right? We talked about it. Our school is going to be cool with sports gambling and cannabis and liquor. Yeah. What about personal injury attorneys? Hey, if you're a college athlete and you've got 50,000 followers, give me a call. We'll do something. I want to get into it. I, it doesn't even really help my business. It doesn't make sense. Who's listening to a college kid about retaining a personal injury attorney? Probably nobody, but... I I love NIL. I hate the NCAA so much in the way that they've run this cartel that I want to do it just to do it. All right. Strong close. There you go. That was a good way to go out. Justin Watkins, 5709000 is the number. We got the football frenzy on the way, and we will hear a portion of that weird rolling through the golf course interview that the TBS TNT was doing with Aaron Rodgers. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000 with your questions today.